Welcome to the third episode of PH Pod, a podcast brought to you by the Boston University School of Public Health and Public Health Post. I'm Nick Diamond, managing editor of PHP. In episode three of PH Pod, we examine white supremacy and the health of populations with Dr. Mary Bassett. Dr. Bassett is the director of the FXB Center for Health and Human Rights at Harvard University, as well as the FXB professor of the practice of health and human rights at the Harvard School of Public Health. She previously served as the commissioner of health for New York City. We start our conversation about the spark that lit the fire under her to pursue her work in public health. Well, when I graduated from high school, which was quite some time ago, gosh, it's nearly 50 years ago, I got a job as a census taker uh, for the U.S. Census in 1970. And in those days, it was done the old-fashioned way. I had a satchel, I carried my forms, and I was assigned to the neighborhood of West Harlem. And I went door to door, sitting down at people's kitchen tables, looking at how they lived, what they were putting on the table for dinner. And it was that experience that actually led me to decide I wanted to be a medical doctor. Uh, Just seeing people with what seemed to me obvious health problems uh, as I went door to door visiting people in their homes in what was a poor but but intact neighborhood in, in New York City. Last year, the country marked 400 years since the first enslaved person was brought to the shores of the United States. Reflecting on the country's history, how has white supremacy determined the health of populations? You know, the impact of the enslavement of Africans is written on the bodies of people of African descent until this day. Uh, We continue to see gaps in life expectancy, and despite the really worrying observation uh, that there are increases in um, in premature mortality among people classified as white, uh, blacks remain at higher risk of sicker lives and early deaths. I track that directly to the legacy of enslaving human beings. You wrote about No Justice, No Health and the activism of the Black Panther Party. What are lessons from the radical health movement of the 1960s and 70s that we should learn today as we address health gaps in communities of color? The thing for me, and I was uh, an undergraduate when I began working in Boston with a a chapter of the Black Panther Party that had started a free health clinic. And the intent of this free health clinic was to model uh, that health care should be available to everyone. Uh, regardless of their ability to pay, and additionally, that it should be dignified care that respected the input and uh, participation of people in communities. And that is a key lesson from the radical health movement, that achieving health is not simply a matter of technical expertise. It's important to have good doctors who are well-trained. It's important to have access to medicines. But participation in communities and aligning ourselves with their goal for good health is really the lesson that I've carried with me throughout my working life. You spoke about these clinics, and I'm wondering if you could share your views on Black reparations. Do you think reparations would affect affordability and access to health 
care, particularly in clinics like these? So the most important conversation about reparations is the importance of addressing the black-white wealth gap. Uh, And that is larger than the black-white income gap, which remains substantial. In Boston, for example, the Federal Reserve Bank has done a study which shows that the um, average wealth of a white family is approaching $200,000, and the average wealth of a black family is $8. And the Boston Globe, when they published this, said this is not a typo. So the origins of the black-white wealth gap are first in the failure to provide any resources to the newly freed population uh, following the Reconstruction era. Uh, People not only were not given land, but people who were given land had that land taken away from them when the Reconstruction ended. And these sorts of policy decisions continued in the failure to make Social Security available to domestic and farm workers, largely people um, who are called black, and also more recently in the lack of access to home mortgages. Uh, That $200,000 mainly represents the asset of a home. So when we talk about um, reparations, we're really talking about repairing these unequal life chances um, for securing a financial future. Now, that's related to health, but I don't want to link the reparations conversation only to access to health services. I support reparations. Uh, How it should be done is an important question and one that many people should contribute to. I really hope that H.R. 50 um, is uh, passed by, uh, by the House and the Senate, although in our current climate, I think the chances for that remain remote. Earlier, you reflected on your time as a high school student in West Harlem, collecting information for the census. What advice would you offer to the next generation organizing to dismantle white supremacy in health systems? The first thing is to acknowledge that 400 years is a long time. And for young people to understand that this is uh, an effort at dismantling white supremacy that requires real tenacity and uh, you, you shouldn't get tired. Uh, the, the goal is such an important one, the right of every human being to health. And I hope that people will stick with it. So that would be my advice, that there's a, there's a lot worth fighting for uh, about uh, the social conditions that make people healthy and that you shouldn't consider it a burden too big to pick up because we have to. And uh, I really welcome the energy and determination of the younger generation, many of whom I'm meeting now in my current job, uh, to take up this challenge. PHPOD features conversations with public health influencers, tackling topics that may be familiar but are sometimes uncomfortable. This podcast series is brought to you by the Boston University School of Public Health and Public Health Post, which informs and inflects the broader conversation on health and social justice. Every day we feature new articles about the state of the health of the population. Join the conversation on social media and subscribe to the PHP Friday Roundup to receive our stories of the week delivered to your inbox by visiting publichealthpost.org.